1: Welcome to episode 23 of Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. I'm Marcy Larson, Andy's Mom. This episode was extremely emotional for me. And looking back, I think there were several reasons for that. The first one is that Connor, like Andy, was the middle child of three, all two years apart. Um, He kind of was the glue of the three siblings and that reminded me a lot of Andy. Also Connor's relationship with his mom reminded me a lot of my relationship with Andy that they were just a team and often feeling the same ways and they just kind of understood each other and got each other just like I had with my Andy. In addition to that there's something I think even bigger at work here. And that is the fact that Nan is 11 years out now from Connor's death and is able to share a wisdom that I really grasped onto. I think that talking to her gave me a little glimpse of what the future could be like for me and that I hope and pray it will be like for me and for other people listening. She just has such a peace about her now. I definitely appreciate that piece that she has, but as for right now, that feels so far away. Overall, this episode just gives me so much to think about, and I learned so much from her. I really hope that everyone has the same sort of reaction that I did. Nan is a very special woman. So thank you so much, Nan, for agreeing to come on the show today. I am excited to hear from you and what your kind of years that you've gone through and what they've taught you and what they can help teach us. So I want you to just start out by telling us about Connor.
2: Thank you very much. I am honored to be on your show and I want to thank you for having the courage to do this so fresh out in your journey. I, I really appreciate it. I haven't missed an episode. Oh, so Well, that's great. Thank you. I appreciate you. you. You're welcome. Connor Lee Deal, uh, born June 26, 1996, my middle son out of three boys, went home to be with the Lord on February 17th of 2009. Um, he was 12 years old, and he was a beautiful boy. He was creative. He was our middle son. Like I said, he loved his family. He loved his brothers. He loved his friends. He had the voice of an angel. He was um, a drawer, a storyboarder. He wanted to be the next George Lucas. He loved Legos. He loved Legos, Star Wars Legos. He loved Star Wars. He ate (laughs) and breathed it all the time. He hated vegetables. He loved Mountain Dew and he could chug a whole can of Mountain Dew, to get four green beans into his system. <laughs> <laughs> he had a dry wit and some quirkiness to him. Um, he was completely right brain. There was nothing athletic about him. He was completely artistic in every way. And I remember when I took him to a storyboarding class, the um, art teacher pulled me aside and said, do you understand how gifted this child is? And I said, well, he can draw, yeah, sure. And, they're like, and he said, no, 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 he is, he is gifted. And it's where he lived. He loved fiction stories. Um, He and I read together. He stood beside me in church, and he did the lead, and I harmonized with him. And um, he, um, out of the five of us, my husband and my two other sons, Braden and Brennan, Connor always had my back. If there was a vote, it was always the three of them and Connor and I. And, um, you know, I feel like I'm, I mean, everybody worried about me after he passed away because they're like he got you and you got him and the two of you were like peas in a pod and truly that has been how it has been and um, it has been the hardest thing I have ever done in my life
1: Yeah, I can understand that your relationship actually I, uh... does sound quite a bit like Andy and I you know we were very mm-hmm. very close and he was very musical just the same and mhm-. And love yes. Legos and love Star Wars Legos. So <laughs>
2: <laughs> he um, he just lived in this fantasy world right. I'll tell you, right before he passed away, it was kind of like our family was in such a sweet season where the boys were 10, 12, and 14. No one had no one had gone into the teenage angst yet. Mm-hmm. Um, All three of them loved one another. They bunked in on Friday nights for movie and pizza night. They really didn't like going to other people's houses because they wanted to be with their brothers. They shared a bathroom. And so in the evenings, we'd hear them going, good night. I love you. Good night, brother. I love you. And they'd meet in the hallway and hug each other and say good night. Connor loved reading chapter books out loud at that time and he would read a chapter and then i'd say connor it's time to go to bed and he'd go no mom one more chapter it's getting so good one more chapter Mm -hmm. you know and we even we even have the golden retriever she's still alive um to make that norman rockwell picture and it was just a sweet season in our family's life and um i miss that very much
1: yeah it's just never the same
2: no, it's not. I, my oldest son just got engaged Oh wow! right before Christmas and we all just kind of went, wow, he should be your groomsman, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So instead of a picture on the table, you know?
1: Right, right. That's not what it should be. Yeah.
2: yeah. So, you know, here I am almost 11 years mm-hmm. in. I mean, this is my month and, um, I can come to this, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Last night, I uh, saw a post of one of his best friends. I mean, one of his best friends in the sixth grade. And it was a post by his mom, and he's going into medical school. Mm -hmm. And I just had an evening of, I just want to know what you, at 23, would be doing. Yeah. And it kind of just took my breath away. Although this young man loved my son they were best best friends he even has a Connor song tattoo on his shoulder and he's got a a necklace of Connor and the Connor song that he wears all the time and he's carried him and been so faithful but you know in those moments I just kind of want to go oh man what I would give you know to know you yeah at 23. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So why don't
1: you go into talking about about what happened with Connor.
2: Okay. Well, um, he was a healthy kid. He's the healthiest of our boys never had a surgery and he got a headache. And then 10 days later, he passed away. And it was first diagnosis was croup to um, pneumonia in both lungs to we believe he was diagnosed with the flu. It ended up being MRSA. Mm -hmm. And it went septic. We were living Yeah, we were living in Amarillo, Texas at the time. And um, all of those things were happening in Amarillo. And then a bed opened up at Children's Hospital in Dallas. He and I flew there. My husband and the other two boys met us there. And that was when they put him on um, ECMO Mm -hmm. uh, lung bypass machine. Um, When he was in the hospital, though, in Amarillo, I mean, he it was a few hours after we had gotten to the hospital. um the lungs were filling up with the pneumonia, and he couldn't breathe, and so they had to intubate him. So very early on, he was out. I mean, he and the last day, so ten days in, that last morning, they were going to pull him out of that um, coma to um, because he was responding to the treatment. Mm-hmm. And we were getting little hand squeezes. And every time I talked to him or sing to him, the tears would just roll down his face. And um, he was um, doing really well. Um, but um, they, and they had, sorry, I'm kind of a little scattered here, but they were going to do a CAT scan um, a few days later. But um, I had not left him for 10 days. And so, I kept singing to him and his blood pressure would go up and he would just get a little nervous and um, he was just, it wasn't good for him. So they said, mom, you haven't left him for 10 days. Why don't you just go and get a little lunch, which I was very apprehensive doing, but we did, we were gone for about 30 minutes. And when we came back, the entire ECMO machine was gone, which takes up huge room. He was up on five mattresses and he was gone and I was panicked. And I said, Where's my son? Where's my son? They're like, Mrs. Deal, we needed to go do a CAT scan. And I said, No, 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 no. That wasn't scheduled till Friday. This was a Tuesday. And they said, We need you to wait in that consult room. And the whole time, for the 10 days he was in the hospital, the whole time we'd get an x-ray, or they'd intubate him, or they'd do a line, or they'd do a treatment, or put him on ECMO, I never saw it coming. Mm-hmm. I never saw it coming when we got on the plane and flew from Amarillo to Dallas, and the pilot said he can only go at 9,000 feet. His lungs won't take it. I, I, and I've got my headset on hearing everything that they're saying about my child on that flight, and I'm thinking, we're in America. He's 12 years old. We've got antibiotics for this, and we've got, mm. you know, technology. This is just, this won't happen to me. Right. this isn't his story, you know, and I was journaling, journaling every day so that when he woke up and he got better, I could tell him about everything. But that day, um, they put us in that consult room, and as soon as they came in, I knew exactly what they were going to say, and I just told them I don't want to hear it. And I said, I don't want to hear it. And I ran to go be with him. And then my husband, bless his heart, he was like, What? Hear what? And he, he stayed for the news and he went to tell the boys. And um, he had that awful journey down the hallway of telling our other two boys that his brother was dying. And we had two hours with him. And we um I loved on him and my husband had his hand on his heart, and my youngest my youngest son was running around saying help my brother get the paddles you know bless his heart and my oldest son was just at his ear saying in his ear connor run as fast as you can run as fast as you can to jesus and don't be afraid oh, that's so sweet and um we sang him home sang one of his favorite songs my parents were there my sister-in-law was there some very dear friends were there and um, Yeah. So it was MRSA out of, you know, no, we still don't know where he contracted. It It could have been anywhere. It could have been in the hospital. It could have been at school. We don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it just, that last CAT scan showed that it would went septic and it was just all in his brain. There was nothing that they could do. So, um, and had you know, something happened
1: like, before they took him to the CAT scan
2: to make them move that up? Yes. Like that? He, yeah, he was just, yeah, he was just, you know, we and, and maybe, you know, I left and he could relax, yeah. you know. Yeah. But something, it just started happening in his brain. Mm-hmm. Maybe you know, he, waited, the, he
1: waited for you to go. <laughs>
2: Maybe, so that would be like him <laughs> to taking care of his mama, yeah, yeah, for sure
1: yeah it it's a, a funny, um when my grandmother died years and years ago, my aunt flew in to be with her because we knew she was dying, and she got there, and she was alive and she was there for just a few minutes. She came straight from the airport and she said, Mom, I just need to go to the bathroom. I'll be right back. And she went to the bathroom mm-hmm. and my grandmother died when she was in the bathroom. Yeah. Because she waited for her to get there and then she waited for her yeah. to leave so that she didn't mm-hmm. have to be there when she died. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. so it seems that people do that <laughs> or that God yeah. does that for people.
2: Mm-hmm. right. Right.
1: So yeah. that's probably what he did. Yeah. So you said you had uh, about two hours with him and talked mm-hmm. about what your boys did. Then what kind of happened after that? What was the rest of the day like? Or,
2: Well, um, I can just go, that day is so vivid in my mind. There are, you know, lots of things that you, you do forget and lots of things that, Um, other people have to Mm -hmm. fill in the gaps. Like, I don't even remember after that, um, the next day flying home from Dallas to Amarillo. I don't even remember getting on that plane. Mm -hmm. But that day, um, since we were in a children's hospital, they did a little, um, they did his handprints and his footprints, even though he was so big at that time. He was 12 and he was long and lanky. I mean, he was going to be our kid that was over six feet tall and um but they did them I and you know on those big eight and a half by 11 pages of his foot just took the whole thing up and his hands did too they even took a little lock of hair and um they did a beautiful job taking him off everything and then he was just laying on that on that bed with this adult diaper on and you know his lips were turning blue but he just looked like he was sleeping you know and I just my husband was taking care of forms the boys were kind of with their aunt and my parents and it was just a flurry but I just remember I kissed him from the top of his head to the tips of his toes and just started all over again and just talking to him and singing to him and loving on him and I couldn't leave yeah. and I remember the threshold of the door and my sister-in-law and my husband and the voice came to the doorway And I look back and there's Connor and I felt like I was about to be split in two. Mm -hmm. I did not know what to choose. Yeah. And I remember Ron reaching his hand up and said, we got to go. And I thought, I can't, I can't leave him. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I walked out and that's when I basically collapsed and they basically carried me to the hospital and I'm kind of, they're carrying me and I'm kind of walking and then the boys are in front of us and there's Brayden and there's Brennan and there's this gap in the middle. And I thought, Oh my word, this is my life. Mm -hmm. Where's my, where's my middle, you know? And that night we were, um, Ron was posting on the carrying bridge because we had had that for 10 days and you know, um, people had brought food and food came out of nowhere and we we're just, you know, it was just a flood of things. But I do remember that night in the middle of the night hearing my husband in the bathroom just weeping and sobbing. And mm-hmm. my sister-in-law got down on her hands and knees and got on beside the, the bed and she didn't leave my side that whole night. And you know, I'm just trying to console my 10-year-old and my 14-year-old, and we're just trying to figure out okay, now what do we do? You know, Um, it was just so he got sick on the 8th. He passed away on the 17th. And we buried him on the 21st. So February is a pretty consuming month with everything that happened with Connor. I'm sure it is. Yeah. Wow.
1: I'm sorry. It's, It's hard. It's so hard to even hear a lot of a lot of what you went through just reminds me of me, too, you know, because mm-hmm. he was my middle one, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we always talked about how we had our kids on the two-year plan, you know, we had a kid every two yes. years, and mm-hmm. and now it's just not, it's just not anymore, yeah, yeah. and to have the middle gone is really hard, you know, I mm-hmm. always think about there were things the oldest two did, and there were things the youngest two did, and there were things yes. they all three did together, but... To have the oldest and youngest without that middle, mm-hmm. it's just,
2: it's just not right. <laughs> it's not. And it it's, it's really palpable in your family. You can really, you can really feel it. Yeah. And um, it's hard to get that equilibrium going again. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. It was for us. I'm maybe. Yeah, it
1: really hasn't, hasn't for us at all. I don't feel like we're at an equilibrium yet, so. No, no. Why don't you talk about this even... 11 year journey that you've been on and um, just kind of okay. what you've gone through and what you've learned and.
2: Sure. Well, the first year, as you know, is just completely horrific. And it's just, I, I told people, it's like being drugged behind a semi over glass, you know, you're just hanging on for dear life and it hurts so much and you're just trying to get through all of those firsts and you don't know what you're doing and you're trying to wade through grief with your husband, your children, y- yourself and and then i felt like the second year was even harder cuz you know you're slapped with the reality of you just did this first horrific year smack now you get to do it again uh-huh. you know and you're just like wait a minute that was so hard i don't know and so i didn't get a real good sense of myself and that intense pain being gone until about year four. Uh-huh. But I'll, I will be perfectly honest, 18 months in, I almost took my life. Yeah, I, I did. And I had a, a dear grieving mom come out of nowhere who's 10 years ahead of me that um, reached out to me. But I, I just couldn't take that heavy pain anymore. But she sat in the grief with me and she ministered to me and helped me out of it. But there's lots of things that I've done. I, I have done depression medication. I've done some sleep medication. I've, um, some things that have helped me, um, have been reading anything I can get my hands on from a parent.
1: Uh-huh.
2: I just want to hear that journey. I don't want to hear another grief journey just from parents. Yes. It's um, so unique. I've, yeah, It is. And I, so I did gobble up as much as I could from any parent that had lost a child. I wanted to meet with other moms that may be ahead of me or maybe, you know, I just want, didn't, I wanted to know that I wasn't going crazy. Uh-huh. And I, I, I found comfort in the same language being spoken. Right. Um, when I was with those people, I felt like I could laugh if I wanted to, or, you know, I could cry because they got it. I just, I had a hard time feeling like myself. I just, and I was a messy griever. I was, I was frustrated with people who didn't help. I was frustrated with people who didn't say the right things. You know, I, I was pretty much in people's faces and I was disappointed when family didn't show up or friends left us or left my children for sure. And so, um, I was all over the map those first four five years. I really didn't feel like I got some equilibrium until about year seven. And that's when I felt like, okay, I have repositioned Connor. I know where he is. This is how I carry him. This is our relationship. Um, I could be protective of that and whoever I would let in had to be safe. And, you know, I wasn't so much with the hoop saying, help me, help me, but I was more guarded with my grief. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but that just took time. It takes time. And um, I feel like we don't give ourselves enough grace and we don't give ourselves enough time. I mean, the, the whole Western society says three days and get back to work. Or in a year, you need to be, oh, well, sometimes not a year, but in a year, you need to be over it, move on. And that, that has not been the case with me. And I, I, that's not what I hear from other parents. It is a lifetime journey. It is not a sprint. It's a marathon. And so once I settled into that, it got better and different, Um, not as heavy and, um, but there are waves that can come out of nowhere and knock you right. to your core. Right. Um, and my milestone moments that have been very difficult for me. When he was supposed to graduate from high school, that year didn't bother my husband as much. But boy, I, was, I felt like I was laid out and I was back in year one and two. Mm-hmm. It, it was really hard for me
1: well and you just talked about um too another milestone that you had have in your family right now
2: with a mm-hmm. a son talk about that a little bit yes mm-hmm. our oldest son just got engaged right before christmas and we love her and she's precious to our family but you know the first things that come up are connor should be a groomsman and connor should be here for this i mean we We surprised her with her family and us, and he let us be a part of the engagement. And the whole time I'm thinking, Connor should be here with a camera hiding behind this couch. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, Um, yeah. And my middle, uh, my youngest son off at college and, you know. uh, Yeah, and really, Connor should be graduated and dating somebody or married himself, like some of his friends are getting married and, you know, doing his career and, yeah. Yeah.
1: it's And you just wonder what could
2: have been, right? You you do, you do, you, uh, you know, now I see his friends graduating from high school. They've graduated from college. Several of them have gotten married. None of them have had children yet, but those are all really hard moments. And because of social media, they're very much in, in our faces, you know? And so I think that's a hard journey too. I, I had to get off of it for a while because it just, you know, there's lots of things that I did. There's things I tried that really didn't work or there's things that did work for me. Like I had to get outside. I had to, uh, see some sky and I had to exercise and I had to be with other grieving moms. And I kind of put my other friends to the wayside and I really needed to just have those people speaking into my life because that's what was healing for Mm -hmm. me and helpful. I got some counseling. I did some, you know, the medication did help for me. Um, I just tried many things and, and, and would try to do different things and on, to honor him or to, you know, the holidays were always different or his birthday or his heaven day. I was always trying to do things and find things that would help, but more importantly, what was good for me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, I, I tried to take care of myself. I did a lot of self-care um, pretty much after that second, third year.
1: Yeah, that's an important point, I think, because it is easy to not do that. It's easy oh, to focus sure. on everyone else and put yourself on the back burner and let things kind of go.
2: Yeah. You know, I if I got hung up in church on a song and I was about to just lose my mind, I left. Yeah. If I didn't want to go to church on Mother's Day... I didn't, and I still don't. It, I'd rather the guys take me out. Let's go um, canoeing, or let's go do something active. I don't want to be at church on Mother's Day. Mm. It's it's just not for me anymore. Um, I want to celebrate Mother's Day with my other two sons, and then I'd like to go out to the cemetery, and you know. But I don't want to be at church, and so and that's okay. It, it really is okay, um, you know. And I I found that. If a crowded, noisy restaurant was not what I needed, then I wouldn't do it. You know, I had people coming to my door going, come on, let's go for a walk. And hey, you need to get out. And there were times when I'm like, no, I really don't. Mm-hmm, thank you. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd rather sit here in my chair and read my book. But thank you, you know.
1: And, and uh, so, too, it's important to say, but just because I don't want to today doesn't mean I won't want to tomorrow. I mean, it's exactly it's really a moment to moment and things
2: change. Mm-hmm. And I think, too, at the beginning, um, I thought, well, we'll never, ever, ever do that again, you know? And, um, yeah, for sure, the first five, six years. But now it's kind of where, like, our last vacation was at the um, Grand Canyon. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I will never be able to ever go there again because Connor and I, um, Ron and the boys were on the edge, you know, exploring. And Connor and I were on this path, just arm in arm, just chatting the whole day. He was sharing about this little girl that he liked. He was sharing all of his hopes and dreams and his um, nervousness about sixth grade. And we had the best day. And I thought, and I have a beautiful picture of the two of us, the back of our heads, looking out of the Grand Canyon. And I'm like, I couldn't go back there. I just think I would lose my mind. But I'm at a space right now, year 11, and I'm thinking, I think I would like to go back and take him, you know? Mm-hmm. Wow. But I couldn't, wow. but I couldn't have done that in the beginning, you know, because that was a sake, I'd love to walk that again. Mm-hmm. I want, you know, I want to be with him. And I know that that's the way I have to do it. So, um, but no, I couldn't have done that the first five, seven years.
1: Wow. That's so encouraging for me to hear. Because there are a lot of things that yes. I have just said, I'll just never do. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah.
2: And for now,
1: don't, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and for now, don't. I can't even yeah. imagine taking a family picture. You
2: No. Know? Oh, I know. I know. I just don't want to. I don't. No. And, you know, we didn't until about year seven. And then we included him in there. We're holding his picture or his picture is on the, you know, sofa back table behind us or um, we've included him in those ways, which are so awful and wrong and shouldn't be. And yet um, I'm thankful that we, I have to have him in there. But at first, oh wait, no way. And we just didn't do it. And when we would go to, I mean, he's one of 15 grandchildren on my husband's side of the family. And we'd go to all of these weddings or graduations, or you're taking all these family pictures. And I'm thinking, I cannot breathe. right? I cannot do this. He should be here. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, it's hard. Those things are hard. I haven't done a Christmas card since, and I don't think I will because how do I sign it? Yeah, how do I, you know?
1: (laughs) Yeah, my husband always did this very funny Christmas letter every year, Um, Mm -hmm. and everybody loved it. I mean, they would always talk about his Christmas letters. It it would he would do a different perspective and just kind of give an update on the family. Like one year Mm -hmm. we got. I think we got like 100 inches of snow or something here. And so he oh, wow. he told the, he had the Christmas letter be written by our snowblower. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, he always just did something really funny. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, we haven't the last two years. We haven't. And no. I don't know if no. we will again. It's just, I it's know. just too difficult. So. It is. It is. Yeah. And it's, Mm -hmm. I know you talked about taking care of yourself. I, I remember thinking, um, especially at the very, very beginning, I, I get terrible, like migraine headaches. And at the beginning, Mm -hmm. I just wanted, I wanted to have a migraine headache because Mm -hmm. I was so miserable on the outside. I wanted to feel that bad physically too, which is, seems crazy, but. And that's why I just, I just wanted
2: to hurt physically. Mm -hmm. So, yes, I know that. I, I, I was just like praying, give me something, you know, uh, I, you know, you're so desperate to not either feel it or wanting to be with them. And so I just entertained a lot of that for a long time, for a long time. And, um, Yeah, I just feel like I needed to journey and do the hard with God. I needed to lean in with him. I just needed to hear from the parenting grieving community. I did look out past me, you know, 10 years out and say, is it going to be different? Am I always going to feel this way? And I had some really trusted moms that were like, no, it's not always going to feel this way, but it is always something you are going to carry. Yeah. And um, so I just find trusted people, find people that, you know, um, find a good grief community, I would say. I, and Yeah,
1: I think that, that is so important too. And not that I don't appreciate my other friends because I do, but it's that grief those Mm -hmm. grieving women that I've gotten close to are, I'm so close to Mm -hmm. now. I mean, they just understand me in a way that other people Mm -hmm. just can't. And I don't want them to, I don't want them to ever feel this and ever understand it. Exactly. Exactly. So
2: I know. Yeah. I think too, another thing that our family did really well as we extended each other a tremendous amount of grace, because like I said, my husband and I, you know, your husband and wife, you're going to see things differently. And, um, even, and my husband's a counselor, but you know, here, here was this man that could counsel and help people, but here he is shattered to the core, you know? And so, Um, we had to extend each other a tremendous amount of grace. The senior year was not hard for him. It flattened me out, you know, and I think I was six years in um, and the boys too, you know, there were lots of things they didn't want to do. They don't want to go to the cemetery and we journey there a lot. And, you know, at first I would get so frustrated and upset and, Hey, this is your brother, this and that. But I just had to back off and know, okay, they need to do what they need to do. And this is, this is me. This is my journey. And that's another thing, too, with people. I wanted them to feel, so feel what I was feeling and get it. And it, I, it took me years to figure out, wait a minute, this is my Connor. This is my love for Connor. This is my grief for Connor. This is my shattered heart for Connor. This is mine to carry mm-hmm. and not anybody else's. And I, I learned to then start protecting that kind of like a sacred garden, you know, and I, I, I really learned how to protect that space and who to let in and who not to. Mm -hmm. And um, that was hard work because I wanted people to remember him, talk about him, you know, and I was pretty adamant and ugly about it, you know, and Hey, it's only been two years, three years. What do you mean I'm supposed to be over this? This is my life, you know. Mm-hmm. And then it just kind of got to where it's been a little bit more sacred, a little bit more closer to the best. And yeah, Although when people mention him or it will say something or, you know, somebody will say, February's here and I was thinking about you and I missed that corner, it's like a cup of cold water now. Oh, I'm sure it 11 is. years in. That's like a cup of cold water, you
1: know, so. But you're right about guarding yourself. I can see that that would be helpful because it does hurt when people act like you should be better or sort of forget. Right. I know Stephanie said that someone said to her this last Christmas, well, it's your third Christmas like and and she's mm-hmm. and I don't know if she said this or just thought this. I assume she just thought this and didn't actually say it, but she she told me,
2: "And which of your children would you be okay not having mm-hmm. Christmas with forever?" Yeah. <laughs> you know. I did that on a yeah, I did that on a Mother's Day. I'm like pick one. I mean, seriously, it's not any pick one, you know. Right. No, uh, he should be here making me a homemade card, helping cook a uh, Mother's Day lunch. And standing on my right at church, singing harmony with me. Yeah. Um, No. Yeah. Yeah. People that you, you know, I was one of those people, you don't know until you know. And then when you know, it's like your eyes are open, your heart is open. And it's like, you know, this deep, dark secret, you know, Um, I just, I used to want everybody in and, you know, I'm one of those people that I always introduce, you know, we've had to move. From Amarillo, we now live in Little Rock. We've had to move. We've had to, you know, pack up his things and learn to find a house without him. And so with that comes new jobs and new church and new friends. And what's the first thing that people ask is, well, tell me about your family. Mm -hmm. And I will say, I always introduce all three of them. And I'll say, well, Braden is my oldest. He's 25. Connor is 12, forever 12. And Brennan is 21. And if, if they go from that, great. If they don't, but you can tell in 30 seconds whether somebody's going to care or not, you know? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I've learned that if they, oh, well, tell me, or I might say, well, he's forever 12 because he passed away when he was 12 in 2009. And if they say something, then I know, hey, we have a connection here. I might be able to trust you. But if they don't, I just, honestly, I bounce. You know what I mean? Even 11 years in, you can tell the people that can handle it and the people that can't. yeah, and I want I want the people that can handle it in my life. you know yeah.
1: I have a hard time even being introduced to people that I don't know because they will mm-hmm. always ask you how many kids yes. you have and mm-hmm. I I I mean I tear up every time I can't do it. I can't I, I can't yes. say two and because it's not true
2: and I can't say three without crying so sure I don't know well in this moment I'm just gonna say you just dipped your toe into this deep end of the ocean and so you need to be kind to yourself in that you're just you can't do it now and and maybe you can won't ever be able to or maybe you will in time but even though you can't right now it's okay it is okay it truly is yeah it's just it's just challenging that's for sure it is it is very challenging and there are a lot of people that just do not understand the nuances of it all and all the challenges that are there you know yeah there's so many it's not just the Death and the burial, it's <laughs> all the, you know. I've said before, it's just like in the Lion King, where you know the light touches everything. Well, my grief has touched every aspect of my life my work, my physicality, my church going. I, you know, I still exit if there's a certain song from his memorial or a song that's just too emotional
1: I, I walk out um, a ton in church actually I usually just yes I yes. Don't, I don't like leave except I always leave early because I don't want to talk to anyone but um but we like share the peace in the middle of the service and I like dread it I sit there dreading mm-hmm. it and then oftentimes right before I just I just bolt (laughs) and I, because I can't, I don't like having that superficial greeting Mm -hmm. that no one really means anything. Mm -hmm. It's just right. Peace. The Lord be with you. Like they don't really mean it. They're looking on to see whose hand they're going to shake next while they're still shaking your hand because they don't want to look in the eye. Like there's nothing (laughs) that feels very genuine about it. So. Right. I don't know. I end up, sometimes I sit there and I just will hug my youngest and I never stand up because I don't want to greet you. Mm -hmm. So please take my cue and don't greet me. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah. This last week I felt kind of safer because the woman right in Mm -hmm. front of me is a bereaved mom. They lost their daughter Mm -hmm. many, many, many years ago, but I thought she's not going to bug me. And she she didn't. She greeted other people. She turned around. She just placed one hand on my arm just for a second Mm -hmm. to give me a Mm -hmm. little support. She didn't say anything. Yeah. She didn't, you know, do anything at all superficial. It was just that touch that I knew Mm -hmm. she knew and she understood that. I couldn't do that. And that was Mm -hmm. the one reason I felt kind of okay not leaving is because I thought, well, she's right there and she's the closest person to me and she's not going to do it. And her husband wasn't going to, like, he didn't say anything to me because and she's safe because they're both safe people. They're both Mm -hmm. safe people to have around me. Unlike other people who would have turned around and like forced the issue. I just knew they wouldn't. So, right. It was nice. Yeah,
2: it's all those things that people don't understand. All of those things we're juggling at the same time that our heart is shattered and we're trying to fit those pieces somewhat back together. Um, that's just also hard. And they want to give us a window of time to do that in, and it doesn't match theirs. No, it
1: doesn't at all. It's it's funny at work if I get at all emotional and I tear up. I get, or or if I say, well, I'm not going to do that. It's just too hard. I always get, oh, but you're doing so well. Like, <laughs> okay, I'm glad you yeah. think that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm glad I you can totally no... put that facade up for you. Um, mm-hmm. and but you don't need to say that. Oh, but you're doing so mm-hmm. well. Like, I'm glad you think I'm doing right. well. But that's still too hard for me to do right now. I'm still not going to the Christmas party. Right. I'm still not doing this or not doing that. Right. It's just too difficult. Right. So,
2: yes, you know. there were there were years. I'm a teacher. There were years I would make it through the day, and I'd get in my car and lose my mind. Mm-hmm. You know, and here I am, eleven years out now, and I can't remember the last time I lost my mind on my way home from work. I actually this year have a student named Connor in my class for the first time. Oh wow. Spelled the same, spelled the same way. And I'm like, this is okay. Now the first couple of years I think I would have lost my mind. Yeah. And now it's like I say his name, I write it down. And at my school I am the sponsor of the Lego Club. Oh. And I why do I do that every Wednesday? I do that for Connor because Connor and I are in there doing that together. First four or five years, there's no way I could have done it. I would have lost my mind. It would have been too hard and too sad and too painful. And now it's like, no, I'm going to celebrate you. I'm going to honor you. You love this. You would have loved this. And I feel like you say, Mom, continue to be this amazing mom that I loved. The kids love Legos. Do it for me, you know, that kind of thing. And I, I've, I've heard him champion me in a lot of those respects. Love Brayden, love Brennan, love dad, love our family. Keep doing those things. And, you know, I've been slow, though. I've been slow to go back. I haven't gone back to a, a ladies' Bible study yeah it's 11 years I really don't want to go I don't want to chit chat I don't want the questions of well what if God doesn't answer your prayers and I you know there's just some knee-jerk reaction things that I'm like you know what I just I don't need to be about that yeah and I and and I have a super hard time with that
1: I go periodically now but like Mm -hmm. so the week before last I went and it was um they they were talking about you know, bad things happening and it's all God's plan and it's Mm -hmm. all God's purpose and you make, you know, and then the good that comes of it is because of this bad thing that happened to you. And I just got so upset. I mean, I I went home Mm -hmm. and I was like, so what they're saying is God made Andy die so that I would do the podcast and be able to help other parents. And I was Mm -hmm. like, and that's not the way I can ever think of it. I have to think of Mm -hmm. it as God was there weeping with me, mourning Mm -hmm. Andy, Mm -hmm. and in spite of that horrible thing happening, Mm -hmm. I am using that to help other people. So it's the change Mm -hmm. was instead of saying because of, I have to change it to in spite of. Because Mm -hmm. otherwise it just makes it that God did this to me and mm-hmm. and if I'm going on thinking God just does stuff to people like really bad stuff then and mm-hmm. that's hard to keep your faith and so and then I thought, boy a year and a half ago that lecture would not have bothered me in the slightest and this time exactly. I go and it makes me want to leave you know and not go back right so
2: it's too raw it is mm-hmm. it's too
1: raw and i just can't so yeah yeah i've yeah, been there been there for sure yeah it's just a little i mean it's just a little tweak i i tell people my theology just isn't the same as it was before the accident it can't be mm-hmm. it can't mm-hmm. be yeah So I know you said that you are a teacher. I have had at least one teacher reach out to me and ask if we could touch on, if I could touch on in an episode, what teachers can do. Um, Because she feels so lost when she has a kid come in who has lost their sibling or If you have a classroom where one of your students dies, like during the year or, you know, in Andy's case, he died right before school started and, you know, and Mm -hmm. and the first day of school was actually Andy's funeral. So kind of what Mm -hmm. all those teachers can do when you know kids are mourning, you know, so whether it be the siblings or friends, or whoever. So what would you say to
2: that? I would say talk about the child that passed away, or talk about the student's sibling. Uh By name, talk about it, bring it up, um, and be accessible to that child. and whatever they needed, if they need, you know, less homework from you, you know, their mind isn't going to be, I mean, I, and I would educate myself. One thing that my sister-in-law did a good job is she read books on it to help us to educate herself. I would say as a teacher, if you've lost a student in your class, you need to educate yourself on grief. If there's a child that's sibling passed away, you need to educate yourself on grief and child loss. Um, my, uh, Connor's. Friends were allowed to do a little fundraiser um they bought him a tree they put a plaque down they um you know they were allowed to memorialize him and i think that's important too because then they had a space to go to Uh and a place to go eat at and you know um but definitely talk about it or at least get the counselor involved but the thing that happened with my boys was everyone shut down and didn't want to mention it anymore. Right. We're not going to talk about it. We're not, you know, and that, that was the worst thing that they could have done, uh-huh. you know? And I think sibling grief is so different than parental grief. And I think the siblings really are the forgotten mourners yes, in some respects, you know, you know, um, I Sometimes I would just be screaming, going, somebody pick them up and take them to go get a shake or get them out of this house of of just deep sorrow and let them go do something normal. I can't do that. I don't want to go to the movies right now, but could you take them? You know, those kind of things. It's it's funny now because um,
1: Peter has been spending time with friends, and I always feel bad because he always goes – to their house and i will say Mm -hmm. well do you want him to come to our house and and peter just always says no i mean he's still we're you know almost a year and a half and he really doesn't want people to come here yet it's Mm -hmm. i think he doesn't want to go and play with another kid in the space where he always played with his brother right he just wants to be somewhere else um for a long time, he had trouble. He has some very, very good friends who are twins, and they mm-hmm. do, obviously, everything together, just as Andy and Peter did everything together. And it actually bothered him mm-hmm. for a little while, just because he saw the two of them, you know, in and their relationship and missed his brother more. Now it's a little bit better. Sure. Now I think he enjoys being around them because he enjoys the busyness of of right. that household and and it's just I mean honestly it's just probably a happier place to be um, oh sure just to sure. be somewhere else so mm-hmm. I kind of makes me feel guilty but
2: but for sure yeah, yeah.
1: but if that's what he yeah. wants I mean I do wonder how the parents think if, if they're thinking why does he always yeah. have to come here always. are you ever going to invite yeah. my son to your house um yeah, I almost should say something <laughs> to them now that I think about it. Like, I'm really sorry, but it's just what he needs right now, right? I think they would probably it's, understand. It's a,
2: sure, it's a safe space for him, right? Yeah, now. I think so. Yeah. He he
1: worries about us, you know, and
2: oh, they do. Yeah. Oh, they do. I think that's what they carry that we have no idea um, about. I. I know I remember we're like in year four and we sat the boys down and we're like, we are so sorry. We feel like we left you for two years. Uh, you know, we just felt like we were zombie parents and we felt like we left you for two years. And my youngest said, well, you came back. <laughs> and I said, well, I'm glad you think that. And I said, but I'm sorry. And my oldest said, Hey, it was crappy all around. You don't have to apologize. It was just crappy for all of yeah. us, you know? I feel like so I'm constantly I think having those... apologizing
1: to my daughter and she <laughs> always will say the same thing. Like, you don't need to apologize. Like, you just don't. It's right. just the way it is. But still.
2: It is what it is. Yeah. Still. But still. Because that's not how we were parents. That's not, you know, we, we have this break in the parenting and it and our style and it gets all, you know, recalibrated into something else. And we're just trying to find our footing, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
1: So what are some things that uh, you felt were really helpful to you that like other people did or that you did for yourself? Just some kind of specific, tangible things that listeners might want to want to do or ask people to do?
2: Yeah, those first few years, I had people that would text me or message me on the 17th because he passed away on the 17th, you know, for every month. Hey, just thinking of you, love you. Um, remembering Connor's birthday, remembering his heaven day, um, it telling me a story, finding a picture, um, that, and they'd send to me and, you know, cause you can't take pictures anymore. I mean, finding a treasure and then going that, the other mile and sending it to me, mm-hmm. you know, um, if he was at one of your birthday parties and I didn't have that picture, send it to me, you know, um, I loved what his friends did for his senior year. They just those little things where it's like, we're including him. He's not here, but he is here, you know, those kind of things. And um, his, his friends in sixth grade, when they got to their senior year, they all came together in front of his tree, held a picture of him. And that, that year graduating, they said, he's coming with us. He's graduating with us. And I love that picture. I'm looking at it right now in my room here at school. And I'm like, The fact that they did that and thought enough, like, oh, this would be Connor's senior year too. And they're holding his picture and they're all together. That was like a huge picture of cold water for Mm -hmm. me. You know, Mm -hmm. just when people go to the cemetery with us, when they mention him, when they say something about Star Wars and go, Connor would love this one. Yeah. You know, it's just, you're still mentioning your child in the breath and the walks of life you know he's not gone he is gone but he's not please help carry on his memory yeah
1: just in those little things can be so big i
2: so oh, powerful
1: yeah i wish so powerful i hope everyone can take that and i guess just tell mm-hmm. people right i mean yes it's yes. hard because you don't want to be the one teaching everyone else how to help you it's the last thing you want to do right. when you're really grieving but if you can mm-hmm. put it out there, maybe stick it out on Facebook mm-hmm. or something, <laughs> just as a, right, as a blanket right. statement, say, please, mm-hmm. these are a few of the things that I would really appreciate. So,
2: Right. And I do think, I know that it, it does stink that we, our eyes are open, we're, we're in this new educated camp of grief and what we need and what we don't need. But I do think I do think it stinks that we have to be the ones to educate, but we're the ones with the knowledge. Right. We're the ones with those little special secret keys to this <laughs> secret place that no one else can get. And so if we don't speak up like you in this podcast, you are speaking up for all of us. You really truly are having people on in different phases with different losses and in different seasons, you are helping all of us but you're also helping all those people out there that um, can help the people that are in this space. I certainly hope so. No, I know. So I, I have passed it on and shared it with so many people and I'm really, again, I'm, I know it's the last thing you'd want to do. I don't want to say I'm proud of you for doing it, but I'm thankful that you have the courage to do it, especially in this season where you're at. Well,
1: it just feel really like a calling. I mean, in a lot of mm-hmm. ways i i don't know how i even came to be it just felt like it was the right thing to do and something that i could do with andy you know yes like mm-hmm. you and the lego club and connor right yes. you're doing that with him and i'm doing this oh for sure i'm doing this with my boy yes you are so yes, you are. i want to thank you so much for being on today. I am sorry that I have been so emotional this time. I think it's because no. you are just so encouraging to me to be able to see a little more of a hopeful future. I mm-hmm. I appreciate that so much. And I think it's what's getting me so emotional is because I can look out at you and think of what might be and what I hope and pray will be for me and for many Mm -hmm. many others who are listening today
2: yes one day one second one minute one hour at a time just take your time yeah again it's not a sprint it's a marathon and it's a marathon that goes straight into their arms so yeah someday 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 Mm -hmm.
1: thank you so much you're so welcome
0: Thanks for listening to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. Please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player. We are always looking for new show ideas. If you'd like to be a guest, know someone who'd be a great guest, or have a show idea, please email us at marcy@andysmom.com. Be sure to visit the webpage andysmom.com for more content, including Marcy's blog. There you can also sign up to receive updates via email. Together, let's work to inspire hope one day at a time.